I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. I am sure this is common knowledge of what this verse of Scripture says in verse 19. You've probably heard it many times. If you've read the Bible much, you've read it. If you've studied something and cross-referenced it, you've come upon this verse. It's a very simple verse, but to me it's somewhat profound in light of some things I want to say today. And he says in verse 19, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Isaiah chapter 1 doesn't begin well for God's people, for God begins to speak of his displeasure with these people, the way they were living before him, taking for granted the things that he gave them to do and not putting their heart and soul in their relationship with him. He knew the heart because he speaks of it throughout the book. He said, I can see your heart and what you're doing is nothing to me. He even said in chapter 1 here, when you hold out your hands at your feast, I will not hear you when you pray. That's how disgusted God was with his people. He can be that way with us. But he never leaves us there. Even though we cross the line and mess up too many times in our life, God doesn't leave us there. He called us to be saved, and he's going to save us. And he that started a good work, he's going to finish it. Even though at times we lag back and we are half-hearted and not often sincere in, in either this or this or listening, God knows the heart. And the promise is, while the way you're living is deserving of judgment, if you're willing and obedient, hey, you shall eat the good of the land. That's the promise that God has made. Now, if you don't want to do that, then the consequence is not favorable. He said, if you refuse and rebel, you don't have much to look forward to except, well, verse 5, 6, and 7 of chapter 1, where that typifies a lot of people's lives as well as the nation itself. You know, he said in verse 5, why would you be stricken anymore? Why do you want to keep going downhill? Why do you want to keep these plagues and difficulties and things that overwhelm you? Why do you want to just keep that, allow that to keep happening to you? See, there's a solution to all of that. He said, if you're willing and obedient. It's an interesting thing. The word willing in one translation is consent. And I'm talking to you this morning about something that you can do. See, being willing is something that you must be willing to do. I mean, it's something that you volunteer. It doesn't say you must be willing. He says, if you're willing. Doesn't it say that? It does not say, if you are not willing, you must be willing. It just says, if you're willing. In light of an age and a day in which so many people are taught to be unwilling, to take for granted, to lag back. I see a lot of kids today, a lot of young adults with obvious talents that are unwilling to do anything with it. They're willing to lag back. They're willing to say, oh, what difference does it make? 
Yesterday at the Christian school, I had their little cross-country meet or a big cross-country meet, and a lot of kids run. And I am sure that a lot of kids ran because they like to run in those neat little suits. And I like being out here and just, they're not trying to win, but they're like a lot of Christians. The race that God has set before us is a race. He told us to run to win, not to just jog along and enjoy the scenery as you go. He said, be willing to win. And I know that there were kids who probably ran who said, I want to pass the one in front of me. I just want to get in front of that one. Oh, there's another one. Well, I want to get in front of that one. I am willing to push myself. I'm willing to shove myself. I'm willing to reach down there and get my determiner and push myself to win this race. There are kids like that. There are parents like that. They just know that there's more to life than just making it or existing or settling for a, a job Sweeping the sidewalk or hosing down a fast food lot. Eh, it don't matter. It does matter. It does matter because it shows the kind of person you are. You may not have all the talent in the world. Those kids go back to the race. A lot of those kids running may not have the physical capability of winning. Somebody else may be stronger, faster, better, but they wouldn't have more heart. You just give it all you got. When I was coaching, I used to tell my kids, you know, it's not how big the dog is in a dog fight. It's how big the dog's heart is. There are some dogs you don't want to mess with because they won't quit. And there are some dogs that say, I don't want to fight. How would you like to hire one of those people to work for you? able to do everything you hired them to do, but uh, you know what? There's a flaw. There's a flaw in something on the inside of you that is so important that you're giving up. There's a flaw. You who could be something much more than what you are, more than what you realize, unwilling to do it. And think of all that, just in America, just in the land of the free and the home of the brave and the land of plenty. Look at all the things that are out there that could be had. You just got to pass the next person to get it. That's all you got to do. You have to get up earlier. You have to try a little harder. You have to dig a little deeper, do a little more research. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever we're talking about, you've got to put your heart in it. And if you don't, you'll lag back and you'll amount to nothing. Just an average, general, complaining person throughout your life. What a joy to the kingdom of God that must be. Nobody said you had to be the best at everything you did. You try to be the best. Nobody said you could win every race you run, but you always give it your best. You always do what you're capable of doing, and you don't even know what you're capable of doing until you push yourself. You know, a a kid that can come across the finish line, like it's here, left a whole lot inside and didn't leave it out there where they ran. 
If you want to do well in this life, you must be willing to do well. You may not be the smartest person in here. You may not be the fastest. But whatever faculties you have, you use them with all you got. You're willing to try. You're willing to do well. You know, years I coached basketball. There were kids I knew. They weren't the best. They weren't the best on the team. But I could trust them. They would do whatever they had to do to try and win. We didn't always win. We won a lot. But we didn't win every game. But we never lost because we didn't try. You never catch us sitting around in some room playing video games all day long instead of putting some hustle in our life to try to make something out of ourselves. How many times through the years have I said the easiest thing a man can do is quit? Lag back. Join this lazy end-time age. Just join it. This insignificance. This being stupid acting. Drag around. Ah, cool. What in the world is that good for? Now, I was afraid I'd get into this before I got out here today. Because that, to me, it is disgusting to see folks today with so many opportunities, so much that you could have that you would enjoy later on, but they're just not willing to get it. And the same is true. What I'm talking about life is true in the church. There is so much that God will bring us into if we're willing. He won't make you, but he'll sure put something out there in front of you a career, a job, if it's in the world, peace and joy in the kingdom of God, power, whatever it is you need, success, everything you put your hands to will prosper. It'll never happen if you're just sitting around and casual in your life. You've got to give it your best. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to listen better than you've ever listened before? Are you willing to worship with desire? Are you willing? Are you willing to come here today to pay attention? Or did you come here today to text somebody while you're in here? Telephones. Electronic age. Let's bring back paper. I have heard that people sit in here with a telephone under the guise of, well, I've got a Bible on it. And my sweetie pie over here on the other side of it, I guess. And so while we're listening to the sermon, we're texting somebody. You know how I feel about that? You can leave here and go somewhere else. Right there's the door. Make this your last day. Shake my hand and don't come back. If you don't want it more than that, then why are you here? I mean exactly what I just said. As far as I'm concerned, we can collect all the phones in a can out there, a bag, and you can get them when you leave, but bring a paper Bible. Paper is still in. <laughs> God forbid we have to worship God with our fingers. If it was, I'd be in the back room, I guess. I'm just saying God has offered to us this morning as a theme, as a truth, as a fact, if you're willing, whoever you are this morning, however low you may feel, 
however vague your brain is this morning. If you are willing, you can eat the good of the land. You can achieve the very things that God has set before us, things that are promised to us. You can be what God wants you to be if you're willing. If you're not willing, you'll fold your arms and be no different now than you were five years ago or five years from now. You know why you don't progress, Christian? Because you're not willing. Amen. We don't want to read. We don't want to have to study just to find out what something I heard means. What does it mean? I don't know. Well, find out. I'm not willing to find out. Well, then who can help you? Are you interested in what something means? Find out what it means. I don't care what it means. I'm not interested in finding out what it means. I'm not interested in bringing my Bible. I'm not interested in worshiping or praising God. I'm not even interested in trying to do good in school. Why? But I don't care. You know what? If God gave you a mind and God gave you 24 hours a day, he expects you to use it. Nobody pleases God by being an inferior acting soul. And plus, life is not good to you anyway. What's the first word he uses? If. Isn't if a condition? Do you realize that all these things that God has promised us are conditioned? 8,000 promises, almost somebody once counted. And you'll find that in all of these promises, there's a condition. There is something you're responsible to do. You have to be willing to meet that condition. For example, he said in Psalms 1, blessed is the man. Well, I want to be blessed, don't you? Blessed is the man that what? Well, this is a condition. Walks not, stands not, sits not. He avoids all that kind of stuff. That's a choice you got to make, but it's a condition. Now, if you want to hang around that crowd and keep listening to that and let that be your companions, it'll corrupt you. But that's the choice you make. That's the consequence. But if you want to be blessed like a tree planted by the rivers of water in verse 3 of Psalm 1, then you have to meet the condition. You can quote the Bible all you want to, but no promise is certain. No promise is a real deal unless we meet God's conditions for it. You have to do that. Take Romans eleven twenty two, where he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and God rejected them and opened the door for us. And so he said, behold then, God said this to us, behold then the goodness and the severity of God. Look how narrow God was with his people, but look how good he is to you because they rejected God. He opened the door to you. Now, he said, behold, then, the goodness and the severity of God. And he goes on to say, on them which fell, severity. But towards us, goodness, if. It's Romans eleven twenty-two, If thou continue in his goodness. If I ask the question, what is the goodness of God? Specifically what? Because that's what I got to continue in. I need to know what it is. Well, then you need to find out because otherwise you just go, well, I don't know what it is, so I don't guess I can. 24 hours a day, you got a Bible, plenty of concordances. Even your beloved 
thumb system out there where you can look on a computer and find a concordance or a commentary and find out what that means, the goodness of God. I mean, goodness and mercy follows you all the day of your life. Did you know a stranger was following you? What do you say in the Gospel of John? He says, you shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. But if you want to be his disciples, he said, you have to continue in his word. You started, you're being informed quite frequently, twice a week at least, and plus other little times you meet with people. You're being told what he wants. Now, continue is a condition. If you don't continue in it, keep staying with it, then you can't be a disciple, nor will you ever be free. You see, now it's getting pretty narrow. Well, it was supposed to be narrow in the beginning. This book is not for everybody. Did you know that? But everybody that God saves, this is what we got. This is what he gave us. Listen, this book will keep you from the world. Or the world will keep you from this book. But this book is life because they contain words of life. The question is, to all of us, are you willing? See, a lot of us grew up wrestling with this willingness thing. I'm shamefully reflecting on my past again. I need to quit doing this. But I was thinking about how unwilling I was to try very hard when I was in college, or for that matter, high school had a shameful attitude about academics, studying, learning. A lot of things I learned, I heard it once, I learned it, and I could pass the test. It was just easy to retain some things. Pretty simple. But then there's other things that were just horrible. Biology, <laughs> English, verbs, nouns, adverbs, pronouns. Who cares? Let me tell you something. When you develop that attitude when you're young and you're able to make it through anyway and you're in a school system today that'll pass you if you can, if you can look straight ahead, they'll pass you. You can be dumber than a coal bucket and still pass the course. I graduated from college with guys. I, <laughs> I won't go into all that. They weren't very smart. It was easy to get through college. It was easy. Most of the time, we had the test we were going to take. And that's a shameful part of my life, too, how we got those tests. But we often had the teacher's test before we took it because of criminal behavior. Listen, we learned to lie and to cheat and be deceitful in order to pass the test, and people thought we did pretty good. We were deceitful. We learned that. That became a scar. That became an impairment on the inside of a bunch of us in this room. Because one day, here you are, you're growing up, you got kids that are growing up, and they don't give a hoot and holler in the wind about how they do. And you realize you got to care. Now, now's a good time for you to deal with them. Because if they get by, they keep getting by, and they don't have to try. You develop this attitude, I don't have to run to win. I just need to run. 
That's flawed theology, folks. That's not what God taught. You just run because it's a race, but you're not running to win. That's not what God said. He said, if you're willing, you got to be willing. And I found that it's taken me most of my adult life, most of my adult life to work out of me this unwillingness, unwillingness to clean up a room, unwillingness to carry out the trash or fix up something that doesn't look right. I'm still working on it. I let it go my whole life. I was not willing to do anything that didn't get paid for. Then I got married, and nobody's going to do it for me. If you want it done, you'll have to do it. I don't want to do that. Yeah, we can tell. We can tell. Then God comes into the picture, and everything changes. You do whatever you do. Not into a system, not into a crowd, not into people. Everything you do now, you do it as unto the Lord. You clean up something because God would want you to do that. Are you with me? You read your Bible because God would want you to do that. You have more respect for God than to come in here and text somebody because God wouldn't want you to do that. You're unwilling to do that. So now you're willing to listen. Now you're willing to pray. Now you're willing to try. You got to be willing. None of us in this room, us or our children or our grandchildren or great, 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 greats and more greats will never amount to anything if we and they are not willing to take what God gave us and use it for his glory. Effort. Effort. I don't want to get personal. I don't want to go into a lot of stuff today, but I just want you to know that, that all these things that God gives us are conditioned, just like healing. My son, attend to my words, the Bible says, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. He said, for those who find them, it's life. And it becomes health to your flesh. Medicine, the Hebrew says. But it's a condition. You've got to put the word before you. You've got to hold fast to it. It's like continuing in the word. You've got to keep the word before you. Turn to the New Testament, James chapter 1. If you're willing and obedient. Now, for most all of us, the word obedient means to obey, and that's exactly what it means. Both the Hebrew word... And the Greek word for obedient literally means to hear. It's to listen. We find the word obey, obedient, like we saw in Isaiah 1, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, where it says, hearken, if you will diligently hearken. Remember that? If you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord to keep and do his way. Well, the word hearken is the same as our word obedient. It has to do with listen. It means to listen. But the kind of listening that is implied is, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. I'm not sure about anything. Show me the right way. Isn't that what it said? Teach me why. So that I can walk the right way. If you don't teach me, if I don't learn what's right, I cannot do what's right. 
And the word obedient is a result of one who listens with the idea of doing. That's the way it means. Now listen to it. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, it begins with if, because again it's conditioned. If any man lack wisdom, he said, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But, I like the if and the but. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But, if you refuse and rebel. Remember that? Okay, he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. But, here's the condition. Let him ask in faith without doubting. A wavering. For he that doubts, God says to us, a person who doubts is like a wave of the sea. It's here and it's there and it flops back and forth. It's never settled. It never remains and, and is held in a place. You can never just grasp it. It's here and it's there. Doubt is. He said, you're like a wave of the sea. You're driven and you're tossed this way and that way. What's the next verse say? Let not what? See, your Bible says, let not that person think that they shall receive anything from God. Now, now, question, and I don't want to make this hard. I'm just trying to make it honest. How big a word is anything? How far does anything go? Does it mean if a man lacks wisdom and he prays, Father, in the name of Jesus, you told me to ask for wisdom and I'm asking you now for wisdom. Does that mean he gets it? Well, that means he's asked for it. How do you get it? You have to believe, don't you? Are we still in here? You have to believe. It's easy to teach you what to memorize and what notes you can take and what verses of Scripture to load yourself up with, but none of it works. Unless you meet the conditions. And one major condition is you got to believe it. And when you believe what God says, you don't have to keep asking him again for the same thing. You don't need a prayer meeting in which you spend an hour asking for the same thing over and over and over. Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you have received it and you'll get it. You could spend that other half an hour just thanking God for the results. But I can't thank him that I'm healed because I don't feel healed. I don't look healed. The manifestations haven't taken place yet. Well, you'll never get it because the Bible said, let not a doubter think that he shall receive anything from God. You're tossed back and forth. You know what God said. You know what your body says. You know what your pain says. You know what the word of God says. You can't make up your mind. God is not sufficient in and of himself to say, let God be true and everything else a liar. You can't do that because you're ruled by your feelings. You're ruled by your senses. That's why people don't run the race to win because they look around when nobody else is. Well, why should I? And so they give up. The secret of that is just run around with marathon runners. Just hang around that crowd. They'll push you. They want to win. But he said in James 1, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God. But God, didn't you promise? But Lord, didn't you say? He said, I said all of that. 
I've been teaching you all for 30-some years. 30-some years. 30-some years we've been teaching the same thing. 30-some years. This is the only church I've ever known as a pastor. Been here too long for sure, but it's the only one I've ever known. Because I can look and see, boy, there's so much work that needs to be done. But you turn around and look in the mirror and say, start with him. Start with that one first. Because if you need anything, he said, ask God. Come boldly. Declare thou. But it only works if when you ask, you believe he heard you. And if you believe he heard you whenever you prayed, then you must also believe you have what you asked for. And I haven't found a handful of people in 40-plus years that are willing to do that. When I pray, if I believe that God heard me, as he said in 1 John 5, if you believe he heard you, then you know you have it. And when you pray, believe you have it. And that, let that settle it. That's when you start saying, I want to praise the Lord this morning. That by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed or I'm out of debt or my house, whatever. People look at you like, well, you don't look healed. Sometimes you have to tell them, I didn't say I looked healed. I didn't say I felt healed. I didn't say that there was a obvious healing all over my body. All I'm saying is I believe I am. That's what he says, what God told Believe you are. And you will be. Are you willing to do that? Not many are. Not many I've ever known are. Some have been, but I don't think everybody has been. Look in the same book of James there in verse 22 through verse 25. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, what does it mean to be a doer of the word? To obey it. Do you see the hook up here between doing and hearing? And the word obedient means that. To hear and then do is to obey. You're with me, aren't you? All right. For if any man be a hearer of the word and he's not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He can't even describe himself. He can't tell you at 6 o'clock tonight what the message was about this morning. Can't even tell you. He's talking about people that have put no deep emphasis on the word of God. And its importance in our life and how much we ought to hold fast to it. Remember in the Old Testament, these words, obey my voice. Y'all know where that is? Jeremiah 7, verse 23. Obey my voice. The word obey is this word right here. Obedient. Same as Deuteronomy 28, 1, hearken. Same as Isaiah 119. The whole idea, the condition of if, depends on whether or not you're obedient. If you be willing and obedient, if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to give the more earnest heed, if you're willing to hearken, 
If you have a heart that says, I am willing to do this and I am not going to let anything keep me from doing it. There's a kingdom to achieve. There's joy and peace out there that I need that most people don't have and I am not going to let it get away from me. You're just willing to press in. You know, the kingdom of God is taken by people like that. They just get it. And they won't give it up. They won't back away from it. So this is the way it works. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And here's what he ends that verse by saying, and it shall be well with you. I'd like to be able to stand here today and say this, that there's possibility for everybody in this room. You're watching, you're listening, whoever you are. If you want it bad enough, if you seek it, you'll find it. If you want this word this way, his promise is bad enough. Nobody can keep you from it. Because you'll press in to get it. And when you begin to find it, when you begin to obtain it, you will find yourself doing well. I didn't say life got easier. I didn't say more money just came in or more opportunities came in, but you have something that money and opportunity can't buy, and that's peace and joy. There's something about knowing that God will take care of you that relieves you of all anxieties, all worries, and all fears, where you can literally, with whatever you're in right now in your life, take no thought. That comes. I don't care how much you quote that and how much you're quoting it, hoping it'll happen, trying to make it happen by saying it. Some kind of mental gymnastics that you're in trying to, if I could just say it enough, maybe I'll get it. No. No, whatever it says, you just live as though it's true. You live as though that's true. You talk as though that's true. And as much as you can act, and maybe you're bleeding for healing, you can't walk, or maybe you're in a wheelchair and can't get out or in some way impaired, you can always believe. You believe that it's true. Because in, in the end, you're counting on God to bring all this about. He that promised is what? Faithful. He is faithful. Go to Deuteronomy 28, if you would. Deuteronomy 28. If you will hearken diligently. Now, you know, again, diligently hearken, as I understand, is one word. And it means to hearken or to heed earnestly, desiring greatly. A person who is hungry for God will find him. And he won't let go of him. And whatever God has for him, he or she will get it. Healing, deliverance out of the doldrums, out of the sadness and the sorrow, or the demonic incompetence that so many people have opened up to, you'd be delivered from it. This is the power of God just through his word. And he says, if you're willing to hearken and give the more earnest heed, so that all this stuff he mentions will be added to you. Look in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, what? If, if what? Folks, that's the major condition for everything you're setting out there wanting. 
you that are sitting out there what you want. This is the major condition. It's the word of God. I need to, I need to hear it, but I need to hear it with the idea that what I'm hearing, I'm going to do. If I only want to become academically great so I can quote the Bible from cover to cover, man, that guy can quote the whole Bible. I'm glad he can. That's a good thing to quote. But does he believe it? Does he live like it's true, or does he just like the applause he gets from quoting a chapter of the Bible? Or does he really want it? See, the New Testament word for obey is a fancy little Greek word, hupakuo. It means to obey. Remember the verse in Scripture concerning Jesus? The Bible says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Speaking of Jesus, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Speaking of Jesus, it says, In the days of his flesh, as a man like you and I, living on the same terms of humanity that we have to live on, cope with the same things we cope with, tempted in all points like we're tempted, he was a man. And he was God. He was a God-man. The Bible says, though he was a man, he says, he was tempted in all points like us. And he goes on to say that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. That verse of Scripture is not easy to explain because, you know, there are things that God would never have to learn. There are things that a man would have to learn. But listen, you can learn all you want to. If you're not obedient to it, it won't work. So whatever it was he learned, he grew in wisdom in, in Luke 1, whatever you learn. Whatever blessing that God gives to your heart and your mind, you're supposed to obey it. That's the whole purpose of telling it to you so you'll know what to do. And you begin to do it. But it says in verse 9, And he became, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who hupakuo him, who obey him. Turn to Romans chapter 6. I want you to read verse 16 about obeying and about the if word of it, conditions before you and the challenge of being willing. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 about who you're obeying. Are you obeying lazy? How many of you are obeying lazy? How many of you are obeying ugh? I don't know how you spell that. <laughs> how many of you are obeying? I don't care. How many of you are mastered by that? I don't care. It don't matter to me. I don't care. You know, I'm sorry to say when I was a senior in high school, I made one F in my life in high school. My last year, my senior year, the last grading period. Because my teacher, my journalism teacher, I was a sports editor. Journalism teacher told me one day something or another, and I said, I could care less what you think. You're going to get an F in this class? I said, so? Would you want your child to act like that at school? I don't care. Would you? What's wrong with that child? Oh, if they got a victim mentality, well, I don't have much chance in life. <laughs> in America? 
in America? Chances are everywhere. Choices are lined up before you. The government will even pay you to go to school so you can mess up, I mean, so you can learn. You're a victim? You're just unwilling to try to do well. That's your problem. Well, people will think you're stupid. I don't care. Well, you will when you go to get a job. Can you spell cat? D-O-G? Here, give him a hose and let him hose a lot down for minimum wage. Or her. I overdid that a little bit. I'm just saying that what we can be spiritually is well beyond what we're trying to be. Just like all of you kids. If my kids had said to me, well, what good was college to you? You became a preacher. It's just the things that you're required to do that test your character. What kind of person are you? Are you a quitter? Are you lazy? Are you a backer offer? However that's spelled. Are you seek the easy way through life person? Are you one that would rather not work at all and get a little bit than one who wants to achieve and be the head of the class? See, I would say to you now that I'm past those years, what's wrong with you? Why don't you try? Why don't you want to be willing? It's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. A friend of mine told me once in college, he went to the same high school I did. We went to college together at Moorhead. And he came to Moorhead after he got out of the Army. He had no money. He had nothing, no family background. And when I say this, I'm really not exaggerating. I do exaggerate on some of my stories. I like my version of them, but (laughs) he had a suitcase and he had some clothes in his suitcase. I think he had one extra pair of shoes. He went to college. He got a job working in the cafeteria. I remember he used to come by our table. I was on a scholarship, so I got a free meal. He'd come by and say, are you going to eat all that? And I'm serious. We would save him some food, and whenever we were gone, he'd eat it. Just supplement his food and whatever little job he could get. Today, the guy's a millionaire. He put braces in my kids' mouths. Decided to go to college to get this dental degree, and the best way to do that is let the government pay for it. So he joined the Air Force, spent two or three years in there, came out, got that, and became second in his class in Kentucky. Built a bunch of clinics, hired smart people to do his work for him. All he had to do was sit around and nod, you know, you did that, and sold all of that and made a fortune. Made a fortune. Now, there was a man who was willing to try. I remember once in the dorm, it was one of those bad crybaby days I was having. My mother went to work for a whole year at the Census Bureau just so she could pay my way through college. At Moorhead. It cost four or five thousand dollars in to go to school for a year. But she was willing to sacrifice a whole year. She didn't want to do that. She did it for me. And one day I was crying about, you know, I just you know, I don't know about that. And my dental friend, who at the time was still just whoever he was, he said, 
you're a big baby. You know what? Now, we never did get into it. I thought a couple times growing up we were, but we didn't. But I didn't like him saying that. I was having a cry. He had nothing to cry about. He had nothing. Everything he did, he just had to be willing to push in there and get it and shove and go ahead and, and strive, and he did. Here's a guy that finished in the lower third of my high school class. Every now and then, this principal's office, they mentioned his name. Would you come to the office? Your hogs are out. And he lived right below the school. He had four or five hogs, and he'd get out. We'd laugh. We made fun of him. Then we all had to pay him to put braces in our kids' mouth. <laughs> because he tried. He's been an inspiration to me. You know, we're on different planets, spiritually. He was an achiever who had nothing... I mean, if he had flunked and failed out and went back to Charlestown and became what everybody thought he would be anyway, we would all, yeah, why not? Not him. He wasn't happy with that. He grew up and decided he wanted to be a man. He grew up and decided that he wanted to have something in life instead of being a flunky, a dropout of his whole life. So he started trying. He just started trying. And I'm serious when I say this. When he started trying, he realized how smart he was. You have to be pretty smart to pass all those courses. My basketball coach told me one year, if you don't pick up your grades next semester with a B average, you're losing your scholarship. And one of the courses I had to take the following year was called general science. You had eight weeks of chemistry, whatever that is, four weeks of geology and four weeks of astronomy, chemistry. And I mean, I got the chemistry book and I thought, what is this? Well, I went to my room. I was having a little cry about, I don't know. <laughs> and he came in the room. He said, nothing to it. And I'm thinking, now, what would you know about? He said, just balancing equations, oh, that's all. He watched, watch this. He said, take this right here. He did that there. And I can remember at the time, I said, I'm going to do this. I remember saying, I'm willing. I didn't know I was going to say willing, but I'm going to learn this. And so I watched him do that, and I said, do another one. He did another one. So I asked a few questions, and I said, all right, I think I got it. I got to be in the class. And I found out, is God's my witness. That wasn't hard to do at all. I just had to be willing to unhook from a that attitude to one that's responsible and grown up. That's all I had to do. Could I balance equations today? I still can't spell chemistry, and I wouldn't know how to do it at all. <laughs> I passed the course. I did enough to make a good grade, and I found it easy. I took the test, got good grades. Didn't have to look over and see what everybody else is doing. I could look at my own. <laughs> Are you in Romans 6 yet? Look at verse 16. Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey? You are a servant to that person that you're obeying? He said, do you know that? Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey? What if you're obeying lazy? Now, stay with me for a minute. What if you're obeying indifference? 
are you a slave to indifference? If you're yielding yourself to incompetence, does incompetence rule you? Because your attitude is, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I had that once. I know how that works. And when you lower yourself to that, you become just a mediocre person who doesn't win much, who doesn't try much, and you develop an attitude of inferiority that you can't. I'd hope you run into the right people in life who can call you a crybaby and show you a better way. You see, whoever you obey in, whatever inspiration that you're getting from whoever, whatever, that's causing you to be less than what God wants you to be, you're a servant to that. That thing rules you. It could be lust. How many of you are willing to be pure in your life until you're married? How many of you are willing? How many of you are willing? I don't want you to answer me now. How many of you are willing to try and make something out of yourself? So mom and dad, one thing moms and dads like to do is look at each other and go, doing good, aren't they? We like that. And when they don't do good, it's always kind of a, you drop your head a little bit and start praying. Because you know there's so much that you want your family to do, your children to be. There's an achievement out there that you know they can get it because you got it. You know, I know some of my kids got daddy's genes. They should have got their mother's, but it doesn't matter because if you still want it, you can get it. I know when I became a Christian, it became a big deal to me to learn what this Bible said and to quote it. And some people thought you were smart because you could do that. It's not a matter of being smart. It's a matter of wanting to. It's just a matter of wanting to. Look how many addresses you all can remember and how many birth dates you women can remember and how many phone numbers you can remember and how many stories you can detail hour after hour after hour. Well, if you can do that, you can master memorizing the Bible. What a good thing to hide in your heart. What a good thing to hide in your heart. Amen. But he said... If you obey righteousness, what is right, you'll be ruled by what is right. If you obey what is inferior, secondary, and indifferent, you'll be ruled by it. And that's the kind of person you'll be. That will be your constitution that we will all know you by through life. When it comes time for a job, we'll say, I don't know if I'd, why would you say that? Because they don't, they don't try. They don't put much into it. She's not, you know, she's not very, or he's not very. That's the game you're playing in front of us. That's the way you are. But you don't have to stay that way. Because God has a better plan. It just depends on whether or not you are willing to do things his way. See, all this is voluntary. These are choices. I choose to do well. I choose to try. I choose to be here on time. I choose to read my Bible. I choose to pray. I choose to study. I made a choice a long time ago to do that. Now I enjoy it. I don't even have to try. It's just I like to do it. I started reading my Bible at breakfast at the breakfast table a few years ago. And I can honestly say when I can, I look forward to it. 
I do. I like to read. I like to read it. And if I'm by myself, I talk out loud, pray out loud. Sometimes you're all's names in it. It's just, I enjoy it. It's just a little brief time before the day gets going to spend with God. You wouldn't have to encourage me to do that. I made a choice to do that. Now I'm enjoying it. Well, you start walking with the Lord, you start enjoying it. You won't dread going to church or how long is he going to preach or keep looking at your watch. You won't care. Because whatever you believe that God has to say, he's going to say it to you. Now, in closing, John chapter 5 and verse 40. I'll ask you the question. What has God set before you all? You young mothers and fathers. Got a child, got children. How willing are you to pour yourself into the well-being of your children? Pay attention to them. Make them mind. Teach them. As they go along the way, as they go to bed at night, as they ride around with you, just talk to them about the Lord all the time. Are you willing? See, if you're a mom or a dad that's never done that, you've only been half-hearted as a Christian, it's hard for you to be a whole-hearted Christian when your kids are sitting with you in church and they know you're not. And therefore, it's hard for you to talk with your kids. It's hard for you to pray with them when they want to go to bed at night. It's hard for you to pray at the table because they identify you as something that's different than that. That's what you were willing to be. You weren't willing to be any more than what you are. That's the way you are, and so you don't feel good about being very spiritual because they know you're not. And yet you can start. You can alarm the whole bunch of them. We're getting ready to eat. I am going to pray. And they go, what? John chapter 5. Well, I remember I hadn't been having family meetings much, and one day I got convicted of it. I said, well, I'm going to start having family meetings. And I got my little family together. One t- I forget where I was. Okay, we're going to have some family devotions. They didn't do this, but the look on their face was, what? Family what? Devotions. I thought you just did this on Sunday morning. I hadn't made it a point to be like that with my children. Because, see, I was unwilling to do that. I was not willing to even start somewhere. And consequently, that's how they, they knew me, and it kind of strange for me to start doing that. I wasn't comfortable. Verse 39. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Well, he said, they are they which testify of me. But he said in verse 40, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I'm going to give you three translations of that verse. One translation says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You're unwilling. Another translation says, the Williams New Testament says, and yet you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. The New King James Version says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Here's a picture of the church in its worst state. Knowing who he is, knowing the stories about him, aware of the significance that 
he is all about, and yet, setting it aside, being comfortable with just knowing about it, and but living like they did in Isaiah 1. You just somewhere you're there and somewhere you're not there. But he says, if you be willing and obedient. If you're willing to hear. Hearing with the idea that I have got to know what to do. I've wasted too much time not listening. Now I need to listen. Teach me your way, O oh Lord, so I know how to walk. Because you see, the whole world lies in darkness. There's a condemnation on this whole world. Did you know that? The world not only lies condemned before God, has no interest in God, has no willingness to pursue much of anything about God, and much of the church the same way. And Jesus said it like this, and this is the condemnation by which men are judged. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness more than light because their deeds were wicked. Let me ask you a question so we can close. Do you love darkness or do you love light? Do you want to do something that God says, well done, or do you just want to be half-hearted? Because half-hearted is lukewarm, isn't it? Halfway this way, halfway that way is no way. I'll say it again. If it's a condition, everybody in here is at a level playing field this morning. If you are willing and obedient, you, whoever all of y'all are, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless to our hearts and our understanding the word that we have heard. Not the word that I have said, but the word that you have confirmed by your spirit as being your word. Grant us the courage to live on your terms, to obey your voice, to seek your way, to desire your truth, to walk in your light, and to live to please. I pray in Jesus' name that you will make us willing. And I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, while your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, make a decision. Don't let the moment leave you, right? Don't let this one go. Make a decision. Are you willing? Are you willing to do better in life? Are you willing to do better in Christ? Are you willing? Then prove it. Amen.